Doesn't it in many ways seem like Christmas was so long ago? <laughs> a lot of life has happened since then. But I want you to think back at Christmas and to think, what was your favorite gift for Christmas? Well, I tell you, I did have a favorite gift for Christmas, and it uh, causes all other gifts to look rather pale in comparison. And that gift was being with family. It happened for Patty and me over four phases. We celebrate Christmas for a long time. You see, the week before Christmas, we traveled up to Patty's mother's house. That evening, we had dinner with my, uh, my mother-in-law. We had dinner with two of our sons and their families, and we had a, a delightful time together. The next day, we traveled to my father's house, and on the next day following our arrival there, we had celebration with my sister and her husband, my brother and his family, my father, and two of our sons and their families, and it was just a delightful time together. Then on Christmas Day, you may remember Christmas fell on Sunday, and uh, we had worship together, and after worship, Patty and I did something together. We went over to Rodizio's to have Christmas dinner at Rodizio's. Now, I will confess that we ate way too much, but it was good and it was fun. And then the week after Christmas, toward the end of that week, uh, our sons started arriving and their families, and we celebrated together, celebrated around tables, celebrated around the tree, and we just had a delightful time. You know, being with family is a special gift for me. How about you? Is it a special gift for you as well? There's something special about being with family. Now, I know being with family sometimes takes a lot of work. It's sometimes very hectic, but it's very rewarding to be with family. And so being with family was by far my favorite gift this past Christmas. This morning, we're getting ready to begin a sermon series on the family. What will be shared... And how God speaks to us, I believe, will be extremely important for the health and well-being of our families. And I think it will also have a great bearing on each of us personally. Here in Psalm, we find the psalmist speaking in a poetic form about the involvement of God designing family for humans. He says, God sets the lonely in families. His language here indicates that this is more than a placement, but it's providing an environment for one to dwell. You see, we were designed to live and to dwell within the context of family. Now, when you begin reading your Bible, you see that is the story that is told. We find that God created this beautiful garden and needed someone to take care of that garden, so he created the first human being whose name was Adam. Adam had everything needed to provide for human life. He had plenty of food, he had plenty of resources, he had protection, he had safety, he had security, he even had a meaningful vocation as the caretaker of the garden. But God soon noticed that there was one thing that this Adam lacked, he needed companionship. He needed to be a part of community. And so God caused all the animals to come before Adam. And none of those creatures were satisfactory in providing partnership for Adam. And so God, playing the role both of anesthesiologist as well as surgeon, took from God, took from Adam a rib, and from that rib created. Adam's counterpart, Eve, woman. 
When Adam awoke from his surgery, he looked at the woman and he was delighted. And this couple became husband and wife and the first family was born. God had given to this lonely man family. He set him and he set Eve in the midst of family and it wasn't long after the couple came together that she conceived and gave birth to her first son and then she conceived again and gave birth to her second son and so this family grew in its nature and size a father and mother and two children in that biblical story and then as you continue to trace the biblical story in Genesis you see that that narrative is traced through families the family of Noah, the family of Abraham, the family of Jacob, the family of Isaac. It's traced through these families. You know, it's safe to assume that God designed the family. Family is God's intention for human beings. I know a person, Whale, who wrote and illustrated a short book now, quite honestly, it portrays a non-traditional marriage, non-traditional gender identifications in relationships with one another. It doesn't exemplify what I would consider to be biblical values. But as I read that book because of my relationship with that particular person, I noticed in the writing a longing for family. You know, whether we come from a very traditional background or whether we come from a background that, that may be a little bit out there, there seems to be this longing that we have within who we are as human beings, this longing for family. To realize that family is a part of God's divine design rather than a product of human social development, I believe is important. You see, family is more than a human institution. It is a relationship designed and created by God. Now I want you to think with me for just a moment. What happens in the midst of healthy families? What happens in the midst of healthy families? Let me offer you a few suggestions, and you probably could come up with many, many more. In family is where we experience our most meaningful and intimate relationships. These relationships last through the seasons of our lives. You know, most relationships that we have with other people are for briefer seasons, for a period of time. But in family, it lasts throughout our lives. Over my 65 years of existence, I still have a good and healthy and meaningful relationship with my father, my sister. Family is a place where we are cared for and nurtured. When you were a small child, it was probably your parents who provided for you the essentials of life. It probably was your parents who got up with you in the middle of the night and took care of you. It probably was your parents who changed your diaper. It probably was your parents who provided what you needed to survive. And as you grew, it was your parents that were there. But even after we become adults, 
There's something that happens in the midst of family. Many of us now are at a stage of life where we begin caring for our parents. It is family where we find that nurture and care. In family, we are protected. Family looks out for the well-being of each other. I'm reminded of a few years ago of being part of an intervention for a husband, father, who was addicted to alcohol. He was destroying his life. And it was his family who gathered around him, confronted him with hard and difficult conversation about his addiction and his need for treatment. And family is where we experience great joy and we share our sorrows. It is a place where emotional matters are processed and shared. In family, we are loved and we learn how to love. Family is a great gift from God, isn't it? Family is a great gift that God has given to us. A few years ago in another church I was serving, I was walking through the parking lot and I saw something sparkling on the ground. I walked over to see what it was and I looked down and it was a diamond ring. Now it wasn't just any diamond ring, that sucker was big. It was big. Now, I'm a layman, and I, I'm not a jeweler, but I know it had to be at least a couple of carats, maybe even three carats. It was a gorgeous ring. And as I picked it up and looked at it, I thought, the owner of this ring is devastated because I'm sure either it was an engagement ring for that person or a gift from that person's husband. And so you know what I did? I went home, put that thing on eBay, and I made a lot of money. No, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I did some asking around, discovered whose ring it was, and then I gave it back to the woman, and she was absolutely delighted. And she explained that what must have happened was she had been putting lotion on her hand that day that she lost her ring, and she was getting into the car, and apparently it fell off. I'll guarantee that from that day forward, that woman, every time she put on lotion, she was careful to ensure that her ring was still secure after putting on the lotion. It was something she wanted to take care of. And so it is with family. Family is so valuable. We need to guard and invest in our family. We need to guard and invest in our families. You see, this gift, family, can easily be damaged, corrupted, and lost. Pastors and counselors who have served for a few years see the brokenness and dysfunction that oftentimes takes place in families. Issues of infidelity, rebellion, lack of respect, failure to forgive, on and on, lead to the deterioration of the home. The pain experienced is devastating. There are people, and maybe even people here this morning, who carry the scars of life in a because of dysfunctional family in which they've been a part. Guarding our families begins with each of us, first of all, recognizing just how valuable our families are. You see, one of the greatest enemies to any of our healthy families is taking family for granted and taking each other for granted. When we fail to value one another 
in our relationships together, then it leads to behaviors that brings about problems. This means we've got to make family a priority. Being with, relating to, and doing for should be on our top of our to-do list and at the center of our hearts. Does your spouse, your children, your parents know how much you value them? How do you show it? You see, when we value someone, we invest in them. We invest our lives, we invest our time, we invest our resources. But how can we best invest in our families to ensure that we have the healthiest families possible? I'm going to offer to you two exercises. And I got to admit up front, these aren't profound. And they're not very complex. But they are awesome in terms of their impact on helping to build a healthy family. The first is, I encourage you regularly to pray for your family and for your family members. For most of the four and a half decades that Patty and I have been married, we have practiced the habit of praying together in the morning before leaving home and at night when we go bed and before we go to sleep. Typically in the morning, when I pray, I'll call all of our family members by name. And sometimes it may be as simple a prayer as, bless my brother Mark. I pray for Patty. I pray for, we pray for our parents. Pray for children, grandchildren, and siblings and their families. Typically at night, Patty will run through the roster of names as well. Now this practice has kept us connected and focused on our family and has helped us to put them in God's hands for God's care. You know, you get to a place in life where some of your family are no longer around close by, but they're still under God's care, God's guidance, and God's protection. And as I look back, I see how God has blessed our family. In your prayers for family, I would encourage you to give thanks for your family and for each family member. You see, gratitude helps to shape our attitude toward others in positive ways. Through gratitude, we are reminded of the value of that person, of our family. It's good to ask God to bless our family as well and then to lift up requests, needs, things that our family members are going through. You know, this may sound like a cliche, but it is true. Prayer changes things. And do you know the greatest thing that prayer changes? The prayer the one who is doing the praying is changed the most by praying. You see, if you pray for your family, it will improve your attitude for your family and keep you connected with them in heart. And if any of us become better people as a result of our praying, it'll create a healthier and better family. 
The second exercise that I encourage you to invest in your family is eating meals together. Now, you're not surprised that this preacher would mention eating. I enjoy eating. I really do. But there's something special about eating meals together as a family. I read one family therapist said this, that if families, if all families ate together, she said, I would be put out of business. And I believe that's true. Eating meals together is powerful. Now, I know it's challenging. Uh, it's challenging for a lot of reasons. Uh, uh, families in uh, almost all phases are busy these days. There's things going on at work. There's things going on at school. There's extracurricular activities. Sometimes there's just interest in family members. Sometimes it's chaotic and a zoo when the family gets together around the table. But this activity alone can have as much positive benefit as nearly any other practice in the family. As a matter of fact, in the past few decades, there have been several scientific studies that have shown that eating together as a family has such a positive impact. Here's a list that is found on a website, familydinnerproject.org. Better academic performance, higher self-esteem, greater sense of resilience, lower risk of substance abuse, lower risk of teen pregnancy, lower risk of depression, lower likelihood of developing eating disorders, lower rates of obesity, better cardiovascular health in teens, bigger vocabulary in preschoolers, healthier eating patterns as young adults. You see, it's around the family table that something happens. Something happens. There's a bond that's formed at that table. It's a place where we can talk with each other, and sometimes there might not even be a lot of conversation. It may just be that you're together and present with each other. Unfortunately, not every family eats together. Ann Fischel of the Family Dinner Project says that only 30% of families regularly eat together. I wonder, 30%, is that who we are, 30%? What if we could switch that number around? And what if 70% of our families here at Udawa Church ate together on a regular basis. It would transform folks' lives. It would transform folks' lives. And let me tell you, it doesn't have to be dinner. It could be breakfast or even lunch. I would encourage you to make a goal in this year to eat together as a family at least two times each week. Now, that's not a real high bar, but start somewhere at least two times a week. Put down your devices, turn off the TV, and have dinner together, have lunch together, have breakfast together. But make it a family project. Don't just dump it all on mom and say, you got to do it, mom, and you got to cook it, and you got to figure it all out, and you got to clean up afterwards. But make it a family project. Plan it together as a family. Plan the menu together as a family. Have the, if you have children at home or grandchildren around, have them in the kitchen with you to help out in the preparation. Dads pitch in, help out, help cook, help clean up. Make it a family project. And if you like, like the time to prepare some days, it's all right to get Grubhub. It's all right. Spending time together 
is so very important. I came across a resource, and it should appear on the screen in just a second, I hope. There it is. This is a, a neat book. And if you're home and like to do it, eat, laugh, and talk. It looks like a cookbook. Pastor Jacqueline's seen it. We've got a copy around the church here. And it's just great ideas about how to eat together and what to do. Let me tell you, your family, your family is a gift from God. Cherish your family. Invest in your family. Pray. Share meals together. And just see what God can do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great gift of family. It's your design and your desire to put the lonely in families. Lord, help us now to understand our family's values. Help us to invest in our family. And Lord, make our families better. Lord, where there's dysfunction, where there's chaos, where there's even a lack of hope and meaning, we pray that you would give hope and you would provide. And we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.